Path folk to the Find the Path Ventures actual play of the War for the Crown Sovereign Court side story. Hello, it's Heather today. Yes, once again, I'm joined by one of my esteemed players. Uh oh, I'm esteemed. So be on your best behavior, Heather. There's going to be so many bleeps. <laughs> going to be so many, so much profanity. This entire episode, nothing to hold her back. Yeah, welcome back. As you no doubt know by this point, probably from uh, viewing the episode description or the uh, the name on this, we are continuing our side story, which is a collection of uh, almost an anthology of uh, adventure, as we have uh, already experienced uh, some portions of this adventure. And uh, we're back today with everyone's favorite, Heather. Yay! It's okay if I'm not your favorite Heather, by the way. <laughs> There's somebody out there that's like, well, my wife's name's Heather, so. <laughs> <laughs> my second favorite Heather, I suppose. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we have been thus far going through the various quests and a collection of quests known as Honor's Echo. So I suppose we should just kind of uh, jump into things, shall we? Sure. Now, this is one of those rare occasions, audience, you can all enjoy this, where um, you as the audience actually know more about what is going on than Heather as the player. Um, in fact, yeah, Heather's I have going no idea this... what everybody else's shenanigans have been. Yeah. So, Or even the, the premise for this, nope. which I've been surprising everyone with at the beginning of each episode. Um, and so we're going to be kind of jumping back into uh, in media res um, as our adventure continues. So let me go ahead and set the stage for this. Let's take a step back in time and set the stage for our story. In 4692 AR, during the drought known as the Summer Without Rain, eight noble families were called to the Palace of Birdsong to meet with the Grand Prince Stavian III, while the heads of House Corsina, Darahan, Denzarni, Falspar, Heskalar, Kastner, Maroset, and Zespire treated with the Grand Prince. The young scions of these houses entertained the heirs of the royal family. The five teenage lords and ladies spent their days with the young Princess Eutropia and her schoolmate, Martella Lothied. Of course, our audience is uh, quite familiar with uh, said young scions. They're not so young anymore. Yes, the Knights of <laughs> Summer. The five younger children, however, bonded with Prince Carius II, heir apparent to the Primogen crown. The children enjoyed their magical summer and then went their separate ways. The friends of Prince Carius were devastated when they learned of his death during a riding accident just six years later. The five nobles traveled to Opara and were reunited in mourning, their lost childhood friend and future ruler. They reconnected that day, swearing to see Prince Carius's dream for a greater Taldor realized. It was that night that they met a young lady, Gloriana Morilla, scion of a lesser house with grand ideas of nobility united, for a common cause. Together, these six nobles set out to improve not just Haldor, but all of the inner sea, under the auspices of the Sovereign Court. Our story today begins in 4708 AR, 10 years after the death of Prince Carius II, and 10 years before the events that will kick off the War for the Crown. Though Gloriana Marula has begun to work with the Pathfinder Society in Absalom, it is still years before she will become the head of the Taldor faction that works within that organization, or expand her secret society of the Sovereign Court to work within the noble ranks of nations across the Inner Sea. 
Seeking a new ally in her fight to restore Taldor to its long-lost glory, Lady Marilla has reached out to her friends to aid her, and thus begins Honor's Echo. Yay! In the aftermath of the Eventung Conquest and the embarrassing loss of Chiliax, Andoran, Isger, and Galt, the Emperor of Taldor sought scapegoats to bear the shame of his defeat. He stripped numerous noble families of their titles and lands to condemn their failures in the campaign. Most who suffered this punishment faded into obscurity and never rose again. Countess Onaria Alcosti was an influential commander during the campaign before and immediately following the even-tongued conquest. Yet all her skill could not make up for the shortage of supplies, and her career came to an ignoble end. When she dared to critique the crown's strategies, the emperor sentenced her family to the most painful of fates, life as commoners. Her many times great-grandson, Romario Alcosti, only has incomplete references to his ancestor's heroism and title, but longs to exonerate her name and regain the noble title that he believes he rightfully deserves. If he can gather the right evidence to present in Opara, he is certain that he will succeed. He needs Lady Marilla's help to follow his leads across Taldor and beyond, to uncover the truth and, with evidence in hand, to advocate for his ancestor's grand legacy. And so, Gloriana Marilla has called on her old friends to help restore the name of House Alcosti and hopefully gain a powerful new ally in the process. And uh, Heather, you have answered the call. I mean, I was only probably out monster hunting or fighting orcs anyway. I can let's take start. a break. So suppose let's go ahead and, uh, and get the ball rolling here. Our story continues with Landgrave Isidore. Isidore? Isidore. Isidore sounds Tolkien. It's Isidore. Just wanted to make sure, because I'm like, I feel like I've been reading too much Tolkien recently. Our story continues with Landgrave Isidore of House Darahan. It has been some weeks since you received the letter requesting your aid from Lady Marilla. It took time to return to set your lands in order. It took time to travel down the Jalrun River from Headwater Gap to the grand city of Zamar. You began your journey from that esteem, that fortress of strength on the southern border of Taldor, where you set across overland to avoid the difficulties of river travel as you made your way south. From there, you traveled through the Zamar scrublands, where sparse vegetation clawed at your boots and harsh winds whispered tales of adventure as it blew through this region located between the provinces of Sofra and Whitemarch. The sun being your only real constant companion as you made your way steadily south under its relentless gaze. The shrubs and thorny bushes seeming to shrink back as uh, the scrublands gave way to vast expanses of sand. Desert dunes rolling like waves across the landscape as you entered into the White Pass and crossed from Taldor into the lands of Kadira. Good thing I speak Kellish. <laughs> it might help. Maybe it's why she picked you. <laughs> Maybe I just assumed that you would probably have made that decision since you do live in White March. <laughs> I'll check Oliver's character sheet later. <laughs> <laughs> Here the horizon seemed endless. A shimmering line where the scorched sand met the blazing sky overhead. By day, the sun bore down mercilessly. And of course, you draped yourself in your, almost antithetically, in uh, your lion skin cloak, which I believe you have magically enchanted to uh, yeah, protect you from the elements. Yeah, it's a cloak of Endure Elements, so 
Yep. Thinking to yourself for the 10,000th time what a great investment this cloak was. Yep. By night, the desert transformed into a realm of chilling cold and unmatched beauty with a canopy of stars that looked down from above and reminded you of your deep love of the natural world. And as we begin, on the dawn after having marched for the better part of about 250 miles, uh, mostly tracklessly overland, However, uh, no real challenge for a man of your skill. As you crest a dune and look into the distance to your destination, as the sun shines down, as the wind blows dramatically. Uh, Heather, do you want to go ahead and describe this uh, this rugged man? Isidore uh, Darahan uh, is tall, with very broad shoulders and a muscular build. Gray eyes that pretty much everyone in his family has. Trademark of House Darahan. Yes, he has a uh, long black hair, like ridiculously long black hair that he wears in a braid that starts at the nape of his neck and the braid trails down to past his waist. <laughs> it's fantasy world people. I can have ridiculously long hair. <laughs> Luxuriously brushes it all day long. <laughs> he is uh, a fairly handsome man. One of those guys that shaves in the morning, but by 10 o'clock, he's got a five o'clock shadow anyway. So what's the point? He's one of those guys that actually looks better a little bit roughed up. He has so, that rugged mountain man. Um, yes. Um, I am a ranger since we've been mentioning all the nature stuff. Heather opening up early. I, I don't think some of the other players have even mentioned what their classes were. <laughs> it's like, what the heck is Jordan playing until it was like an hour and a half in and he threw a bomb? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a ranger. Uh, the flame warden archetype, just in case anybody's wondering. So I don't have Where's an your animal, animal companion. companion. <laughs> yep, don't have one. Izzy uh, is wearing, uh, of course, his explorer's outfit, because why would I be wearing a noble outfit when I'm a monster hunter that's tracking across the desert? That's just ridiculous. Fair enough. He has a suit of agile breastplate and a falchion strapped across his back. As Rick mentioned, he has a lion skin cloak that still has the head of the lion on it, and that comes across his left shoulder. And he has large scars from a clawed paw raking across his face and onto his neck on the left side of his face. The lion who's a cloak may or may not have been responsible <laughs> for those scars. Yep. I'll make you a cloak. <laughs> so you stand here at the wind blowing dramatically through your lion skin cloak. Oh, one last question. Are you uh, wearing your signet ring or anything like that? I don't know how much you want to advertise being a Darahan in Kadira. Yeah, he probably is not wearing it once he figured out, he, once he got into Kadira, just because eh, things are a little bit rocky. Yeah. He is wearing his holy symbol of Serenray, though, so. A uh, controversial choice as far as Taldor is concerned. Yes. It's one of those he kind of swapped. He pulled the holy symbol out from under his shirt and slid off the signet yeah. ring. <laughs> now know? I'm going incognito. <laughs> <laughs> Ahead of you. You see your destination. The site you have been walking towards uh, nonstop again for um, over 250 miles of overland travel, trackless. The Grand Kadiran City of Omash. Oh, I see it. We're right by the mountains. Omash stands here in the northern Zoe Mountains, on the far end of the White Pass, the uh, southern mountain range that makes up the White Pass, with the northern mountain range being the world's edge mountains in White March. You have never been to Omash. However, you have heard stories. The stories do Omash no justice. The magnificent city perched atop a leveled mountaintop near the border here with Taldor. As the sun rises, it glints off of the various spires, the large buildings, the domes of this fortress city. In essence, Omash is Kadira's answer to Zamar. 
the two grand fortress cities facing off across the expanse of the Zamar scrublands and the deserts surrounding the White Pass. You continue forward and make the ascent to Amash. The roads here are well traveled as you've reached the, in essence, the eastern end of the patrol route that the soldiers of Kadira follow, making their way from the inner sea across the plains of Paresh uh, and the border wood to eventually end here before returning and continuing patrols along the southern border of Taldor, the northern border of Kadira. The architecture here is distinctly Kadiran. Domes, arches, intricately carved balconies overlooking the landscape. The city bristles with siege weaponry to repel any idea of invasion. You understand that the city is one of the very largest in all of Kadira, and the 30,000 some odd souls that make it home, the vast majority of which are soldiers. Let's go ahead and bounce a die. Um, do you have knowledge local or geography? I have geography. I do not have local. Uh, I roll an 11 for a 20. You know very little pertaining towards the people of Omash, but you know that this land here is harsh. South from the this edge of the northern zone mountains, as you follow along the river Ladan, it turns back into scrublands and then eventually grasslands, although the plains of Paresh are much further away to the west. Here it is desert. The one great advantage to the desert expanse here for this fortress city is the Sea of Sand creates this wide open expanse that one can easily see the approach of enemy forces. Omash, while a fortress city, while a bastion of defense itself, is mainly known for its training grounds. Uh, you, as a Durahan, have heard legend of the 12 schools of war that are trained here, training the heavy horse and light horse cavalry of the Satrapian Guard that protects Kadira's lands. In addition to uh, heavy and light horse, they also have uh, camels that you see as you begin to approach. Um, you pass by a large training ground where they're in the process of training their elephant cavalry on these uh, broad riding grounds and complex I obstacle courses. I want an horses. elephant. That sounds cool. <laughs> For the briefest moment, you see a small group, uh, you think five, of these, these odd shapes fly overhead before you realize that it is the famed Kadiran flying cavalry on top of their flying carpets as they soar overhead in V formation. Ooh, that's fancy. And once again, you understand why Taldor, as great of a nation as it is, as great as the armies of Taldor are, have found themselves in a continuous battle with the skilled and well-trained warriors of Kadira. You know, very little pertaining towards the people of this place. Although even as you approach, you can respect the amount of dedication that comes into fighting here. And as every... Taldane, soldier on the front lines down in the southern lands here, knows. Although you yourself were not a soldier. Nope. You, at the very least, are a member of House Darhan, and so uh, are rather familiar with the lands of Kadira. You know that the fortress city here is overseen by the High Commander Zarathus al-Samaya Ursani Hakal, the general of the northern reaches, and Kadira's answer to Taldor's own High Strategos, Maxilar Pytherius. Fortunately, you also know that you do not need to infiltrate or even enter into the fortress portion of this and instead approach the base of this defensible location. The city structures, basically the, the civilian structures that surround this mighty fortress. I am surprisingly stealthy and since I have agile oh, breastplate, well. I don't actually take a penalty to it. I 
you know, since I'm a hunter, I was like, like, while I'm here, I might as well assassinate this high commander. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying that if I have to, I can be surprisingly quiet. (laughs) I won't give you his level, but let's just say he's on par with Pytherius. Yeah, no, I'm not going to mess with that. Arriving, you make your way through the city streets here. The guards at the main gate... Take a moment to just kind of ascertain once you state that your business is to meet with someone here um, and discuss a trade deal. Uh, They kind of glance you over before deciding, well, there's no harm in just letting this one random guy in. (laughs) Even though they eye you somewhat suspiciously as you are uh, obviously of Taldane heritage. Yeah. Of course, you're also arriving with just a backpack on your back. So wandering out of the desert. You make your way in and navigate through the back city streets until you reach your destination. Having only to stop to ask for uh, directions a few times, maybe toss a few coppers to uh, street waifs. And most of the time, street waifs are more than willing to exchange a few coppers for directions to eventually bring you to the Lion's Mall. This inn and tavern is an oppressive affair. You make your way in. There's a large bar that stretches the length of the far side of this room. And the entirety of the room has a certain smoky haze to it, mostly from people just enjoying a morning pipe. Glancing about, you see almost comedically... In the darkest corner of this tavern, oh boy. a man. Really? We're doing that? The man holds up a hand to uh, obviously wave towards you, even though you've already spotted him before uh, he's extended his hand, and uh, gestures you over as you begin to approach, seeing a young man of average height and build where he's standing, with auburn hair and beard, both well-kept and trimmed. You know that you're supposed to meet Romario Acosti here, and although he is not a true noble, He does dress the part. He seems to have exchanged his Taldane uh, noble's clothing or Taldane clothing for something much more fitted to the desert here, um, since Taldor doesn't tend to make clothing that is particularly breathable. However, it does seem that he has opted to uh, forego the various uh, cottons or um, anything like that for fine silk, uh, showing off a fair amount of you're going to guess his wealth. The man stands to his feet, extends a hand out to you, inclining his head. You get the feeling that he maybe notices that you seem to be uh, not all noblesque and therefore does not bow as would be tradition to a man of your station, being that he is a commoner. Ah, oh, you must be Landgrave Dorahan. Isidore sighs, because, you know, let's just say Dorahan real loud in an inn in Kadira. That's great. He pulls that part from Jurassic Park where it's Dorahan, there's a Dorahan here. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> no, you don't know if no one cares. Yeah, I don't know if no one cares. You can just call me Isidore. It's fine. Uh, very well. I will endeavor to do so. Must keep I things, take it uh, you're Romario. Yes, uh, Romario Alcosti. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Uh, uh, please have a seat. They have things that pass for wine here. Uh, Isidore will take a seat, wave over the waitress, and just ask for a beer. Whatever <laughs> you have on tap. Um, she nods. Gives you probably a more appraising nod, since I imagine you're probably actually asking in Kellish as opposed to yeah. using the common trade tongue of Taldane. I don't know, maybe some, what's morning time? Maybe some fresh bread and cheese or something too. You know, snack time. Spice tea. Ah, well, um, I am so glad that you could uh, make it here. And I, I trust your journey across these uh, these harsh lands wasn't too uh, exceedingly difficult. I'm used to traversing the land, as it were. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to hear. And how long have you been here? Oh, only a few days. Um, I'd, I'd actually just returned back from an uh, excursion to the north, um, learning some more pertaining towards my um, my ancestor, Onaria Alcastia. I'd managed to make some interesting discoveries uh, when I was in Opara. 
it's a it's a somewhat complicated subject, but uh, it is the matter of which we are here. So, uh, well, you are aware that my ancestor Onaria was a uh, a general of some repute, mostly serving during the Even Tongue Rebellion or the Even Tongue Conquest, as the uh, uh, colonies like to refer to it as. Right, Gloriana gave me most of that information in the letter she sent me. Yes, um, my uh, my too many count great-grandmother. She fought in the uh, the northern portions of Taldor. I've recently returned from the Vruden Forest, where she had hunted down traitors in those uh, woods and brought them to justice. For her actions, she was blessed by the Church of Aradon, something that was, of course, much more prestigious back uh, when he was alive. Onaria was gifted with a sword by the uh, the Church. The blade was an item that appeared in my research into her life, no common blade, a powerful weapon given to Onaria by the church uh, in recognition of her skill and her dedication to uh, Taldor. And I assume this blade was lost when your family's title was revoked? Um, well, not exactly. You see, it was a family heirloom that was kept for some time. However, the magic of it seemed to have uh, faded. It was still there, um, but was uh, minimal in strength. As if uh, it simply dropped off. Can I make any kind of check to figure out why a magical item would lose power? I mean, feasibly an arcana or a spellcraft, maybe. My arcana is a little bit higher than my spellcraft, so I will roll that. I roll an 11 for a 20. It's extremely rare for a magic item to lose power. Generally speaking, I mean, magic items are permanent magical effects. Sometimes it's not unknown that, you know, time can wear them down. So, for instance, a magical scroll isn't immune to the passage of time and could potentially eventually collapse. It is possible that if it was somehow directly blessed by the Church of Aroden and tied to the power of that god, maybe? It diminished after his death. Yeah. Did it lose its power after Aroden died? It's extremely uncommon for magic just to fade. Though, if it was tied to his church... I can't be certain. I... He fidgets somewhat, in a way that you don't even need to quite make a sense motive. It was one of the few artifacts that my family kept for years and years. After the passing of my father, some ten years ago, um, all of his effects became mine, including said uh, sword. However, I was, uh, well, at the time, um... You sold just begun... It. Yes... I was attempting to put myself through uh, through my education. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to uh, attend any prestigious schools and such, but uh, I was able to uh, to hire some some tutors and um, shall we say simply uh, grease the wheels to get myself an appointment in uh, Opar's uh, bureaucracy. I'm more of a glorified uh, accountant, but it has made me a great sum of money, and I was able to do that with the uh, the two thousand pieces of gold that I received for selling the blade. And now you want it back. Well, he glances down. I sold the sword to the Kadiran Ghazali family. It was a way for me to earn the easy coin, um, but I did not realize that it wasn't simply a magic sword that one of my ancestors had. It actually belonged to my most prestigious of ancestors and was a gift from the Church of Aroden. It would be a, a great boon to be able to present that. I have reached out to uh, the family and offered to pay them, as I, I have more than enough money to cover uh, purchasing it back, uh, even at double its price. Uh, however, they have refused. Why? 
Uh, I can't be certain. I've asked them a couple of times, but I have thus far not been able to uh, gain much success. And so I've asked, uh, asked you here. It is my hope. I do have the original record of the sword's transfer to Anaria as a reward for her services to the church and the empire. It would be passable, but it would be my hope that I might be able to purchase this and show the sword. I thought perhaps um, Gloriana would know someone that may be of uh, assistance to me in um, convincing them to aid me. And uh, um, well, um, she, I suppose, contacted you. Isidore furrows his brow. You're the only one that speaks Kellish. (laughs) (laughs) I understand the Ghazali family. I understand they have a certain dislike for Taldor. Um, And they quite possibly purchased my family's sword because it came from a Taldane noble family of some repute. Um, I I think we shouldn't mention to them that I'm a Darahan then. Well, I will will default to uh, whatever direction it is that you believe is best, of course. Um... I'm simply hoping that they're, uh, the family matriarch, a woman named uh, Arjita, um, will be reasonable. I've heard that matriarch Arjita is, uh, um, carries her family's dislike for the Taldane people, but is a, uh, uh, shall we say, she has made her money um, in trade and uh, compromise, and hopefully she is uh, more willing to pursue such. I've, uh, I've contacted them and let them know, and they have told me that... Uh, Whenever my uh, my partner, which uh, would be you, uh, arrives, that they would be willing to speak with us. All right, then. Well, um, then uh, I suppose we should go. Uh, allow me to get that for you. He smiles. Isidore shrugs. He's not going to say no if somebody else is going to pay. In a, you're not sure if it's a power move or if it's just his personality, but he actually just calls the woman over, hands her a platinum piece to close out. Oh my god! For like a few beers and some bread and cheese, that's maybe uh, like few silver. Are you kidding me? No. Well then, Isidore just kind of shakes his head and then downs the last of his beer. I suppose you uh, you step out back into the city streets and begin to make your way, uh, following this Alcosti. He turns back as you walk. Um, Well, I've mentioned a little bit about myself. May I inquire? um, I'm familiar, of course, with the Grand House of Darahan. But I was more curious about you yourself. There's like one or two glances from somebody as they're walking by, like, Grand House. Oh, what do you want to know? Well, it seems that um, Lady Marilla trusts you greatly. And uh, while she is of a, a relatively low station, I can't say much, being a mere commoner myself, a, 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 a scrivener, as it were. Um, she has very... Um, esteemed friends and colleagues. So uh, to count two counts in a, a landgrave amongst uh, her friends is, is saying something. Um, why is it that you're, you're you're even helping me? I mean, other than simply a friend of hers. Gloriana's an old friend, and she asked for my help, so... Well, I hadn't been hired on to hunt any monsters recently, and the orcs are under control in the headwater, so I had some time to spare. Ah, uh, yes, the famed monster hunters of House Darhan. That's what I do. Your reputation definitely precedes yourself, as far as your family is concerned. I never joined the phalanx. I preferred hunting monsters. I don't really like being tied down to one place, hence why I'm a landgrave. My soldiers can more or less handle things when I'm not there, and if they need me when the orcs act up, I return for a little while and then go back out hunting monsters. I see. Uh, It makes sense. I have heard, however, that uh, the man being the most dangerous game... um, being a soldier is, uh, is quite the, the challenge of its own. But uh, I have neither been monster hunter nor soldier, so um, I have no 
uh, position to uh, to critique you. I enjoy the travel and helping the citizens of Taldor is rewarding in and of itself. Ah, of course. Uh, noble in heart and deed. I see. Um, yes, I, I certainly understand. I, I do my own small part to improve Opara how I may. Not with sword. He does have a rapier that bounces at his hip. Um, does he surprisingly, look like he knows how to use it? Surprisingly, the rapier looks used and well-worn, and he carries it, he has it set in a way not that you commonly see when you go to noble courts, where this is a decorative item and they wear it kind of in front, so that it's constantly like banging up against their knees, but you can also see it. He wears it back and a bit to the side, in easy reach and in a position that it doesn't get in his way if he needs to move quickly. Eh, most of my family thinks I'm a little bit crazy. I passed up the opportunity to be a marquee to be a landgrave so I could have my freedom. Oh, well, I see. Um, I let my younger sister take the title. Oh, of course. She's much more suited to it than I am anyway. I'd mm. be going stir-crazy trapped at the house. Well, um, I cannot say that I can exactly identify as I've never been uh, a noble lord such as yourself. Something I do hope to solve here soon. And uh, once I've restored the uh, um, the name of, of Countess Inaria to uh, to prestige, uh, well, perhaps the crown will see fit to uh, to re-gift me the uh, County of Stormgrey. Uh, although the count has, of course, been there for some time. Uh, perhaps a barony or something like that uh, would be more suited. Do I know where that is? Yeah, you can make a, be a geography check. 10 for a 19. You do know um, the County of Stormgrey actually is a reference to Stormgrey Range, uh, which is located at the southern edge of the northern World's Edge Mountains. Um, so technically it would be part of the Karis Prefecture. Since the southern portion... It's going to get into a lot of things. Um, the World's Edge Mountains, the northern range of the World's Edge Mountains is in the World's Edge province. The southern portion of the northern range of the World's Edge Mountains is in the Karis Prefecture. And then the southern range of the World's Edge Mountains is in White March, with the fourthmost gap separating them. So basically, he'd be a little bit north and east. Um, so where the Oparis Prefecture is, where Opar is, north of that is the Tandak Prefecture, Directly east of that is the Kazoon Prefecture, and then northeast of that is Karis. How old does he look? You think he's about your age, uh, in his mid-twenties. Mm. But yeah, it's only a distance of maybe 100, 150 miles from uh, the capital. It's a good county. Oh yes, my family was quite renowned. In fact, not only were we uh, prestigious through uh, most of Taldor um, at our height, there was a time that we were considered for a, uh, shall we say, a transfer of power. There was a brief time that the Alcasti family was being uh, considered to be elevated to Grand House over uh, the entirety of the Andoran Prefecture. Unfortunately, the Eventung Rebellion uh, saw an end to that. Well, regardless, um, I do hope that we can, of course, uh, quickly convince this lady and, uh, and regain my sword. I feel full for having sold it, but uh, it was, I believe, the right move to make at the time, and uh, I think that my station in the world minus any titles, um, does somewhat uh, speak that it may have been the right move, but it may have been short-sighted. Eventually, navigating the city streets, you arrive at the Ghazali family manor. It sits in the shadow of the vast fortress that looms over the entirety of this city. The luxurious estate lies on the outskirts here of Omash. Outside of the fortress city's towering walls, it uses its own walls for protection, um, these being a scant 13 feet high. But still, uh, you don't see any real easy way to uh, to climb them. It still looks like a very defensible home. Circling around, you find uh, the front gate. And then beyond the front gate, uh, you see a two-story building boasting intricately patterned stone walls decorated with these geometric mosaics. 
Through the brass front gates, white cobblestone path winds its way through a garden of flowering cacti and acacia trees uh, up towards the manor's entrance. A pair of guards clad in polished armor flank the heavy uh, wooden doors to the residence, and uh, Romario makes his way up to them, has a brief conversation where he produces a letter and shows it to them. You're going to guess a letter of invitation um, that he'd received from the family. Before the guards glance you over, uh, one of them addresses you in uh, Kellish and asks for your sword. Isidore would hand it over. He takes the blade, carries it in one hand as he begins to uh, lead all of you inside. It takes a moment to admire it, considering he's carrying a falchion of his own. It's just like, ooh, this one's nice. It is a plus one falchion, so it's yeah. magical. Very nice. You make your way inside, navigating through these uh, these rooms of uh, beautiful, intricately patterned stone floors, these rich wall hangings across the walls uh, going from floor to ceiling. Eventually, you enter into a grand room, the dome ceiling of this room soaring above, uh, red and white tiles whose patterns resemble roses in bloom. Between the mahogany bookshelves that line the chamber, suits of armor stand at attention, with numerous weapon racks lined around the outside of the room, with a fine display of uh, both on the left-hand side, various Kadiran weapons and armor, and on the right-hand side, uh, you're going to guess mostly captured or purchased Taldane, plate mail, armor, even full horse barding, um, as well as a uh, banner of uh, House Pytherius. <laughs> Torn and bloody, as it is. Go ahead and make me a perception roll. Oh, five, four, 14. As you make your way in, you see a middle-aged Kelshite woman uh, sitting alone. Her eyes dart up as the door opens, um, as she starts to stand a little too quickly, almost as if anticipating someone else. As you can see, a look of disappointment cross her face. Hmm. The woman's hair is a chestnut brown, going gray along the temples on either side. Although again, she doesn't look to be probably more than maybe in her early to mid forties. She wears fine silk clothing, and obviously is the uh, the matron of the house. The guard steps forward and introduces Romario before turning and bowing his way out. Um, as he passes you, he would inform you um, that he will be outside and you can retrieve your weapon on your way out. Isidore would give him a nod. Once the doors close, the woman looks over both uh, you as well as Akosti. I am Arjita Al-Fakiri, Lady Ghazali. I do not mean to be rude, but now is not perhaps the best time. You are the uh, Taldane man that was interested in procuring your family sword. Uh, yes, um, I, again, am uh, Romario Alcasti. Um, this is my uh, compatriot, um, Isidore. Isidore. <laughs> Whatever the f name is. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what he thinks, too, yeah. but anyway. I, I, I hate to bother you, but of course we've come a great deal of, of, of distance. Go ahead and make me a sense of motive. Uh, okay. <laughs> is she a beast yeah is she a beast that's about all i got anyway nope yeah eight for ten i got nothing <laughs> you can tell this woman is distracted and doesn't want to be dealing with you but uh why you have no idea um of course i i do have these documents here um my lady romario some... like closes his mouth with a click of his teeth as he kind of steps back to let you step forward is there perhaps something we could assist you with you seem distracted do not take offense at this, but I do not need the help of a common sellsword. <laughs> Isidore chuckles. My name is Isidore Darahan, Landgrave of Headwater Gap. Darahan? He produces signet ring from his bandolier, and instead of sliding it on, just show it to her. She glances this over, her eyes darting between that, and then for a moment up to your holy symbol, and then up towards your face. You can see that she wears a simple holy symbol of Sorin Ray herself and reaches up to touch it in an almost 
for lack of a better term, an almost acknowledgement of the goddess. Uh, perhaps in that moment of like, a Darahan that worships Serenre has showed up at my door. Hmm. This might be a good thing. My friend is quite eager to get the blade back, and I understand that you're reluctant to sell it, but if there is something, mayhap, we could help you with... My son is missing. I will gladly give you the sword if you bring my son home. Otherwise, I can't give it to you, even if I wanted to. He has it. She looks over to uh, where you hadn't noticed on the wall that there's a missing sword from a display case. My son, Ayef. I woke this morning to find him gone, and the sword missing. He'd been spending an inordinate amount of time here. He'd always been interested in Taldane history, and would study your people, and seemed to be particularly interested in the sword. It was supposed to go to my eldest daughter. He barely knows how to use it. She shakes her head in frustration. How old is the boy? Fifteen. My guards have trained him in the basics of swordsmanship, as of course befits a man of his uh, position, or the position that he will have. But of course, we do not have some of your backwards Taldane views on women inheriting power. Isidor just nods his head and like, yep, I totally agree with you, but you know, that's what it is. I've contacted the city guard, but they have refused to help. He has not been missing long enough, they say. He may turn back up. He may have simply gone to a friend, but I've contacted everyone that he's known. I've been frantically searching this entire morning. They say that he's old enough to wield a sword and that they're not going to bother sending a search party for a young man that's been missing for less than a day. Do you have any idea where he might have gone? She shakes her head. Ayef has grand goals, big dreams for himself. He's not tough like the academy students of the city. He begged me to allow him to train at one of the war academies, but I couldn't bear the thought of... She chews her lip. I'm afraid that he ran off on his own to slay some imaginary beast, or likely has gotten himself into trouble finding a real one. I know how to handle beasts. I'm as worried about beasts that have four legs as I am of two. I know how to handle both. The deserts here are full of wild animals, slavers, bandits. If you will help me, I would be willing to grant you the sword. I would just ask that you return my son safe and sound to me. Isidore looks over at Romario. It's technically his, you know, um, he's in charge. Of course, if, if uh, Lord Darahan is willing to, then uh, the two of us will track down and rescue your son. Have I gotten the impression that Romario knows how to speak Kellish? You haven't seen him do it, but you don't know if that's because he doesn't know how to speak Kellish or because... It just didn't occur to him to be polite to use somebody's actual native language. Well, in Kellish, don't worry, my lady. I'll find him. He is all I have left of my second husband. And he is a dear, sweet, foolishly stupid boy. <laughs> all 15-year-olds are. Likely he slipped out from here or from his room. If you are a skilled tracker of some form, maybe you can find some, some sign. I will have the guards escort you and return your weapon to you. Thank you for your understanding. I'll slide the signet ring back in my bandolier and nod. Making your way out. Um, I imagine briefly talking to the guards. Mm -hmm. They've only been able to ascertain that Ayaf seems to have slipped out in the middle of the night. Judging by the, uh, the rope they found, um, slipped out and climbed over the outside wall before dropping down on the opposite side and then, you guess, scurrying away into the darkness. The guards do inform you they made a thorough search earlier in the day but couldn't find any uh, sign of his uh, his passage out. Uh, so you may make a survival check to just search the grounds real quick. 
Um, do I get my bonus for tracking since I'm you are looking tracking. for tracks? Yep. Ranger. Seems Lady Marilla inadvertently sent the perfect person. So I roll an 11 for 26. Yeah, you, you track the heck out of this. Making your way in, you search over his room. Just kind of find some signs that he's obviously uh, packed and prepared himself. As you notice that um, he does have like writing outfits and other things like that that you would expect uh, maybe a young active boy to have. And likely, judging by the gaps you can see here, he's prepared a couple of days worth of changes of clothes. He has no intention of returning back anytime soon. Unfortunately, the guards, having done a thorough search of the ground, inadvertently make, made Ayef's trail much harder to follow. Of course they did. That being said, your skill in tracking has definitely allowed you to find where you went over the wall, um, circle around to the outside, find a piece of fabric, um, a piece of uh, bright blue fabric that was uh, torn off on the edge of one of the cacti uh, that surround the grounds and uh, you suppose further dissuade anyone from attempting to climb this, the walls of the estate. Um, having uh, actually exceeded the DC by 10 or more, despite the fact that hours have passed and the wind is blowing and sand is not exactly the best at keeping tracks, you do actually find some evidence of his tracks. Uh, curiously, you note that despite her statements pertaining towards her son's ability, he has well concealed his tracks with a level of skill that you would not expect from a noble son. Unless that noble son was a member of House Darian. Yeah. She said her son's not very skilled, but he made a good effort to conceal his tracks. Oh, well, um, one may sometimes surprise others with the, uh, the skills that they possess. Sorry for taking over that conversation, by the way. Oh, no, no, no. You were, uh, you were quite masterful back there, and, uh, it seems that, uh, that your skills are more in demand here. Um, I tend to solve most of my problems in the way that best befits the streets of Okara, uh, which is coin. Um, but unfortunately, I apparently did not have uh, enough to immediately offer to uh, to solve this problem. Do you always problem. pay your bar tabs and platinum? Well, I like to leave a good impression. You know, sometimes that just makes you come off like a jerk, right? Oh, I should hope that they would understand that I was just trying to be uh, uh, generous and magnanimous. This is a, a land of, uh, of great difficulty, and I would uh, I would like them not to uh, to think ill of me. It's also a good way for somebody to follow you and stab you in an alleyway. Well... I am uh, somewhat able to uh, to protect myself. Not to your ability, I'm certain, but, you know, he just reaches down, pats a hand on his rapier. You notice it again, kind of akin to a bit more skill than you expect. He jiggles the uh, the weapon to make sure it's loose in its sheath in a way that uh, an experienced warrior would do to keep it from getting stuck. Not trying to insult you, just giving you some friendly advice. I know most nobles don't hang around in more commoner taverns. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I am not a noble, and uh, let me simply say that my time in, uh, in Opar involved uh, oh, almost more time away from the Senate Hill and closer to the Narrows, if you understand what I mean. Is it or nods? Uh, regardless, I hope that you do not think any less of me for that. No, I'm, I'm not what most people would call your stereotypical noble. Well, let us, uh, let us see if we can find this boy, and uh, perhaps... Uh, uh, win for us some renown. Uh, you you don't think there are actually dragons or anything out here for him to track down? Boulets and Bahirs are going to be more common in the desert, but there is a chance he could find a blue dragon. That's They enjoy the heat. <sighs> well, while that sword is magical, as I said, its power is fading. I'm, I'm concerned that he may have gotten himself in over his head. Oh, I suppose we should make, uh, make all due haste. Uh, I will walk behind, as uh, I have no experience with tracks, and you obviously know what you're doing. While you keep your eyes down, I'll keep my eyes up. He points up towards the sky. 
Isidore nods. Still not quite <laughs> sure what to make of this guy and keep going forward. <laughs> Go ahead and make me another survival check. That's going to be a 19 for a 30. Yeah. There's no way this kid's escaping, <laughs> even with covering his tracks, making this more difficult. Even with the fact that you're tracking it over sand um, as the wind is blowing, you make your way quickly out of the city, pausing periodically to just kind of check the tracks, watch in the distance. You can tell again that he's certainly not trained as a ranger. Following these trails across the sandblasted landscape surrounding the grand city of Omash, about an hour and a half passes as you follow this trail about three miles or so east. Um, still into the kind of the foothills here. It's interesting because the boy is not meandering. He's walking with a purpose. You can tell from his stride, from the direction that it goes. He adjusts for natural obstacles, um, or you believe to walk at the very, uh, the pinnacle of some of these uh, low sand dunes, which is, makes it easier to, uh, to traverse. That he has a destination in mind. Eventually, you begin to see a distant structure, the sandblasted ruins of a circular building, you can see the collapsed remnants of a dome, although what exactly it is, you're not quite certain. Approaching closer to your destination, you can see a large building set at the top of a small rise. A set of stairs ascends up, carved into the cliff face here, between two large braziers that have not seen their use in years. Uh, you may make a knowledge religion. I do not have knowledge religion. I know enough about my goddess to get by. <laughs> You do, in fact, and uh, as such, as you begin to approach closer to the structure, you can recognize the sunburst emblem of Serenre. It's not the full holy symbol design. It doesn't show the goddess herself, just the sun disk. It looks like an old abandoned temple or shrine to the goddess herself. Isidore would reach up and, you know, touch his holy symbol as they approach. Uh, the tracks actually lead into the building. He went inside. This looks like it might be an old shrine to Serenre. Oh, well, perhaps he has found uh, uh, trouble within. Uh, again, um, I'll be uh, I'll be right behind you. Isidore still isn't sure if that's comforting or not, and uh, heads inside the building. I'm going to go ahead and unsheath my falchion, just in case. Uh, seeing this, Romario draws his rapier, gives you a nod. As you approach the, uh, the ruined remnants of this vast structure, you step into a, a rather large entry chamber. Um, itself, some maybe 30 feet across. There's no need for magical light or even a torch or anything like that as you enter, as the windows in here are so large that they allow a great deal of sunlight and have, unfortunately over time, allowed a great deal of sand to slide in, obscuring the, uh, the fine stones that make up the floor of this room. The walls here are covered in various mosaics. Most of the stones have broken free and have clattered to the floor, creating this blanket of uh, red and blue and gold stones. Ahead, you can see that uh, probably the reason that this shrine was actually built here, two large pools that don't seem to have seen a great deal of use recently. However, you can tell, uh, judging by the amount of uh, insect life and such that surrounds them, that it's still fresh water. Off towards your left-hand side, you see a tent, um, as well as a backpack and a uh, bedroll unrolled next to it, likely meaning that the boy made his way here far enough away that he knew he would not be easily followed by anyone that wasn't capable of getting a 30 on his survival check. Eh. Probably intended to camp here to wait out the hottest part of the day. What immediately disturbs you is the tent itself has been slashed or ripped by something recently. You can see a wide arch exits this room deeper into the, uh, the complex. Isidore will make his way over towards that tent, trying to figure out maybe I can find anything from the area. 
Okay. Um, yeah, you can make your way over there. Go ahead and make me a LL survival check. Is this for tracking or just normal survival? Go ahead and give your tracking bonus. That's going to be a 9 for a 20. Stepping over there, looking this over, um, you can tell that one humanoid entered this place. Judging by the booted feet, you're fairly certain that they're the same booted feet that you've been following this entire time. And then something else came in. Not from outside, but from deeper in the complex. Something large enough to leave large rents in his tent. Something that seemed to have moved on multiple legs. Um, again, your brain kind of going to Bahir, but you don't see any signs of like draconic footprints. Um, honestly, you can't really seem to identify what these tracks are. However, whatever it is, is large. You can see a smattering of blood here. And then you see a small trail of blood leading deeper in and can see the wide spaced footprints of uh, someone who seemed to have run back, maybe prepared themselves and then enacted a fighting retreat deeper into the structure. Well, something big came out from further in the temple. There's a blood trail. Well then, um, I suppose we should move with all due haste then. Um, I will follow the blood trail. You follow this into the large room beyond. A room whose actual dimensions are somewhat difficult to ascertain specifically. As you step in here, you can see the room itself is maybe 60 or 70 feet across uh, from left to right as you enter into the center of the, uh, the southern portion of this room. And the walls curve in to create the shrine on the far side where you can see a broken statue of the goddess um, in front of a large pedestal. Off towards your right and left, you can see nine pillars off towards your right-hand side, nine pillars off towards your left-hand side, spaced only about five feet apart each, uh, forming this almost maze of pillars that leads up to the center of the room with a walkway that runs the center, although some of the columns have actually collapsed down. Uh, the roof has fallen in in places, um, and you can see that the dome that you'd seen outside seems to be over the, the central portion of the shrine directly above where the statue is, although portions of that dome have also collapsed down into the room. Again, you only have a couple of moments to take in the dimensions of this room, um, its layout, probably eyeing nervously considering that uh, as you walk in, you can only see some area because of how many hiding spots that these columns provide. You have a couple of moments to take this in before you see the situation at hand. Oh boy, it's a situation. I'm excited. It is excited. a situation. A young boy, again, of 15 or so, uh, you'd say probably standing a little under five and a half feet tall, currently clings uh, basically with his feet pressed to the remaining arm of the broken statue of the goddess. His left hand gripped onto the shoulder of this 15 foot statue. Uh, in his right hand, he carries a beautiful long sword which gleams in the light filtering into this room. You can see that blood is uh, caked along one side of him, although he doesn't seem to be immediately bleeding. Your eyes are then drawn down, as you can see just past the column that has collapsed up ahead, movement. And for a moment, all you can see is this black shape of horror, until you realize as you take it in that it is not just this gleaming black obsidian. It's actually a carapace. A scorpion the size of maybe two horses skitters across the floor, raising its tail up and continuing to strike in the direction of the boy as he clings to the statue, its large pincers clacking in a rhythmic pattern as it shuffles side to side. I'm going to use a standard action to activate Touch of Flame, which is my uh, Flame Warden ability that I get instead of an animal companion. My sword now has the flaming condition for the next minute. 
You did that uh, cool, I know they do it in Game of Thrones, but the, I think there's an anime or video game where the person puts his hand on the blade and then just goes across it and it bursts into yeah. flames as he does that. Yeah, I just can't I remember imagine, where I'm, I'm getting that from. I anyway. imagine that's something that, but anyway, it bursts into flames. Very well, your falchion bursts into flames. As you enter into the room, the scorpion quickly turns from its head to the base of its tail, at least 10 feet long with a 10-foot arched stinger stretching over the back of the mammoth-sized creature. The creature snaps its pincers in a manner that you think is more of a warding away a fellow predator before, assuming that you're planning on doing something, raising up its stinger to threaten you again, and uh, I suppose I'll go ahead and get initiative from the party. And by that, I mean you. Yes, I roll a two for a three. It's wonderful. I'm ready. Uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and uh, queue up a little Sirenscape. Sirenscape. Back to scorpions. I haven't been able to use this. These all these sound sets, the desert sound sets, and everything else since Mummy's Mask. I hope the Darahan oh, was ready to fight a monster. He's a cute kid. Yep. Don't let him die. The scorpion is not cute. Generally speaking, scorpions are not cute. I'm sure that there are some of our listeners that are like, "Oh, scorpions are adorable." So uh, let's go ahead and begin combat. Romario Acosti gets first initiative. Ah, well. I know the legends of House Darahan, so I'm certain that uh, a mere insect such as this will be of no problem for you. But I will be here to reinforce you as necessary. But uh, stand tall, stiff upper lip. Using Isn't his... Uh, just looks over at him? <laughs> which has been the reaction I've gotten every time that there's been <laughs> combat that's broken out. So using his perform oratory, he will inspire ah, courage. Um, hard. Yes, stiff upper lip. Make this work. <laughs> I'm not going to sing at you, but... Uh, yeah, you're a Darhan, you're great. Uh, that'll be a standard action for his uh, for his move action. He'll go ahead and... He doesn't know the situation here. He's going to go ahead and... Uh, and flank out to the right, in case he needs to kind of try to outflank this creature. That brings us to a Yef, who eyes the situation, looks uh, back in your direction. A little help would be would be great. That's why we're here. Fantastic. Go ahead and make me a perception roll. A 16 for a 25. As a Yef says this, as the scorpion kind of turns, you distantly, again, the acoustics in here are actually still pretty great, considering the uh, the broken condition of this building. You hear a voice. A feminine voice that seems to come from nowhere. It's all right, AF. Take your time. Who's that with you? Oh, um, before you can respond, uh, you have delays. Uh, taking us to the scorpion. Not being able to reach that guy. The scorpion will go ahead and turn in place. Uh, I love a good scorpion. Not the Mortal Kombat character. I'm more of a Sub-Zero fan myself. Scorpion is better than Sub-Zero. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> Uh, the scorpion turns from where it is and will go ahead and uh, and scamper its way forward. Oh, God, scorpions are fast. Yep. Uh, moving 50 feet forward um, as a single move action as it comes rushing at you, uh, snapping its claws, it brings up its tail and will go ahead and use that uh, that reach to strike out at Isidore. I'm looking at a 17 to hit your flat-footed AC. That's my flat-footed AC on the nose. So as the stinger slams in, strikes you in the uh, the gut, kind of scrapes off of your breastplate before hitting and piercing through the uh, the links of your chain underneath. Uh, that strikes you for four points of damage, and I'm going to need you to go ahead and make me a fortitude save. A perfect 20 for a 24. There's too much alcohol in your system. The poison can't take hold. It's fine. Uh, as the scorpion stings you, bringing us to Landgrave uh, Isidore Darahan. Well, actually, no, Ayef will go ahead and re-enter initiative. Distantly, having made the perception check previously, you hear a woman's voice say, Now! The boy drops down onto the, the shrine before dropping down entirely and rushes his way forward. He's going to go ahead and double move, but he'll stop five feet short so as not to provoke as he closes. Taking us from a Yef to Isidore. 
I take a five foot step forward and I'm going to power attack and I have the furious focus feat, which means I don't actually take a penalty to my attack roll with my all, first attack. All of these things are, are unfortunately true. Unfortunately for the scorpion. Are unfortunately true. Unfortunately for the scorpion, true. I roll a one, so I miss. Yep, a natural one, unfortunately. Again, as you close on this thing, the creature turns and begins snapping its uh, pincers in your direction, causing you to uh, to take a half step back. That's the end of my turn. That takes us from there to Romario. He'll go ahead and dance back in that direction. Um, he doesn't want to get close to the scorpion. But springs back, looks over, quickly extends a hand, calls upon his bardic powers. Um, as a uh, the area directly underneath the scorpion suddenly is covered in a uh, thick film of grease, because that's what he's got prepared. And by that, I mean he's a bard, so that's what he can do. <laughs> Gwen would have words with him, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so as that appears, needs to make a reflex save. So let's see what the scorpion can do as far as, well. Uh, you've got so many legs. That, that is a natural one. That is a critical failure. So in an almost comedic thing, the scorpion's legs kind of shoot out. There's this crack sound of its carapace, the bottom of its carapace, slapping into the grease. Ha-ha! <laughs> Mario brings up his rapier in a ha-ha, I got you sort of way. The scorpion... Now prone, despite having a 30 combat maneuver defense against Trip. Yeah, stands up to its feet, which will provoke an attack of opportunity. Alrighty. Bear in mind, you're still power attacking because you were power attacking previously. Yes, but and your this Furious time I take the minus one penalty, so. Correct. But don't forget your plus one bonus from uh, Inspire Courage. That will be a 16 for a 25. A 25 will strike your foe as you bring up your falchion and chop down at the massive scorpion. So I do 18 damage with uh, just the falchion and then only one point of fire damage. So 19 Still, damage 19 total. 19 points of damage, a painful hit as you chop down into the scorpion. The carapace cracks. The air fills with the arid stench of burning insect. Um, the creature clatters up to its feet. It will, yeah, it'll lash out with a, uh, a pincher. It brings its claw around and lashes out at you. That is a 17 to hit the ranger. Nope. Now that I'm no longer flat-footed, that will not hit. By a hair, as you quickly dart back out of the way. Yeah, I only have I only have a one dexterity modifier, so yes, I 18 AC. <laughs> so you stumble back out of the way as the claw comes snapping at you as the creature uh, climbs fully up to its feet, taking us from there to a yef. The boy gives you a nod. Perfect timing. We'll go ahead and take a quick five-foot step forward. And Be uh, careful, lad. Uh, right. I think I'm all out of uh, extra lives as far as a cat goes. He glances down at the blood cover, although he doesn't appear to be injured, uh, the blood covering his side. He hefts the blade and will actually go ahead and uh, make an attack roll to aid another, uh, succeeding on aiding another. So basically steps forward, begins to harry it, giving you uh, the flank and also an aid another bonus on your next attack roll. Uh, taking us from Ayef to Isidore. I will continue to power attack. All right. Um, what does his aid another bonus give me? For some reason that you don't understand, it actually gives you a plus four. He's really good Alrighty. at doing this. So with him and with the bard singing or oratoring, you know, whatever, um, that gives me a plus five. I get a 17 for a 20 or for a 31. With a 31, he will strike your foe as you bring I your blade around so. and chop into it. All right. So I do 18 points of damage again with uh, the blade and, and an additional three points of fire damage from the Ooh. flaming condition. 21 more points of damage. <laughs> It is comedic how more effective you are than some of the others. I, I built Fighter. Isidore. Isidore is a ranger that is meant to murder. <laughs> what are your favorite enemies out of curiosity? Uh, human right now, because yeah. I figured. Those humans. Yeah. Shake my fist at them. I may not be a soldier, but I kill humans. Taking us from Isidore to 
uh, Romario Acosti. Mario will. Um, that grease was pretty effective. Unfortunately, there's not really much you can do to, like, re-grease it. It's not a person he can charm. Hideous laughter would be comedic, but um, I don't see that working. He doesn't speak scorpion. Um, he will go ahead and make an acrobatics check. He's going to attempt to tumble. Oh, that's good. That's a 22, which means that he can uh, go ahead and tumble his half his speed. So he tumbles forward, uh, springing up behind you. Uh, pulls up short. You go be ahead and careful, make... too. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, don't worry. I'm not going to take uh, any undue risks. With a 20, he succeeds on casting of the defensive. And we'll... Uh, Go ahead and reach out with his free hand, place a hand on your shoulder, and heal you for seven points of damage. Okay, I'm back at full. Isidore will nod over his shoulder at him. Thank you. Yes, keep up the good fight. He says, continuing to orate. Uh, taking us from Romario to the giant scorpion. Oh, this kid's just kind of annoying him in the background. I'm setting it on fire. You're literally <laughs> setting on fire. He's going to go ahead and full attack. <laughs> Here come all three. All right, so first claw comes in with an 11. Nope. The second claw finishes coming in with a 23. That'll hit me. Striking you for six points of damage. Okay. It will then, uh, as it's hit you with that one, it immediately makes a combat maneuver roll to grab. Unfortunately, it only gets a 15. My combat maneuver defense is a 19. So you manage to avoid this even as it like rips into your side, um, digging a deep furrow, but you manage to get out of the way of that. Just in time for the stinger to come around and shoot down at you. Uh, that stinger strikes down with a 21. That'll hit as well. Uh, striking home for seven more points of damage as the stinger slams into you, and I will need another fortitude save. Uh, 17 for 23. Nope. Are you all right, sir? It, I'm just bleeding. It's fine. It doesn't look <laughs> fine. Another feminine voice comes from somewhere nearby. Uh, that brings us to a Yef, who will, uh, yeah, he's going to go rinse and repeat. He's going to do that, uh, aid another action again. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't have, because that would have been a critical threat. Um, regardless, though, it does uh, grant you a plus four bonus on your next attack roll, bringing us back around to uh, Isidore. All right, continue to power attack. And with a plus five to my bonuses, with the kid giving me plus four, and Romario giving me a plus one. All of the bonuses. Uh, that gets me a six for a 20. A 20 will still strike your flat-footed foe. Or your flanked foe, not flatfoot. Ooh, ah, 18 points of damage. Apparently that's the number. And four points of fire damage. 22 in total. You bring your blade around and crack straight between this thing's eyes as the entirety of the creature spasms, ducking out of the way of one last death sting from the scorpion before it collapses to the ground and falls still. I'll uh, kind of twirl my falchion, putting out the flame and slinging it back on my shoulder. Excellently done, sir. Romario smiles, gives you a pat on the shoulder as he casts another cure spell. Thanks. And I second that. Comes the feminine voice again. Who are you? Oh, um, uh, that would be glory. AF holds up the sword. Yes, that would be me. You fight with all of the skill of the warriors of the north, but use a weapon of the south. It's very curious. The sword talks. Romario kind of points in the direction. <laughs> Apparently it does. Yes, I do. IF, are you all right? Um, yes, I, I was injured a few times. I'm still a little scraped up, but uh, but Glory was able to help me. Your mother sent us after you. Oh, I'm in trouble, aren't I? Probably. She seems like a very stern woman. Isidore will clap him on the shoulder. She is a woman that underestimates her son, says the sword. I got that impression following your tracks out here. You did a very good job. Most people wouldn't have been able to follow you. I've been doing my best. Uh, Glory's been teaching me. I'm forgetting my manners. My name is Isidore Darahan. Of the noble house of Darahan, Lords of Whitemarch. 
I'm sorry, I don't recognize. The Darhans, you were uh, instrumental right. in the Heaven Step Offensive. Yes. I've heard legend of your, your family. Again, I'm Ayaf Ghazali. I suppose I have some explaining to do. It's not your fault, boy. The fault is mine, the sword says. I am Soldier's Glory. It's an honor to meet you. And you are Romario Alcasti. Uh, uh, uh yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry we hadn't made an introduction before. If I had known you spoke. If I had had someone worth speaking to. <laughs> I am a servant to the noble bastions of the last Azalanti. Although Aridin may be gone from the world, I continue to uphold his cause. Or I would have, if the Alcasti family hadn't simply locked me away in a vault. I... I retrieved you from said vault. Um, yes. And then you sold her. If she had spoken to me, I would have happily, and if you had been worthy to speak to. I sense, you get the almost the feeling like the sword is observing you, that you are a man with a righteous heart. Even if your predilections may be a little too, shall we say, disorderly for my own beliefs. You are a skilled warrior. However, Yaf has everything that I have sought in a wielder. He is a man of righteousness and dedication. Ayaf kind of blushes, rubbing the back of his neck, the 15-year-old kind of shuffling his feet. And I'd hoped I could lead him down the path to glory. A soldier's glory. But I see now, perhaps I have been a little too eager to get out in the field myself and have projected that upon you. And for that, I apologize, my young lord. It's, it's okay. Why did you come all the way out here? This site is sacred to the goddess Serenre. I thought that this would be a good place, since he is a worshiper of Serenre, for him to dedicate himself and I would hope follow in the example of uh, those who came before. Perhaps a paladin. <laughs> I think he has the heart and soul. He has the, the mindset. Romario just kind of shuffles his feet. I, um, I wasn't aware that I didn't uh, fit the bill. Your mind is structured. However, you are not, shall we say, a generous or sacrificing soul. So he's lawful neutral, and I'm neutral good, so she doesn't like either one of us. Not enough to grant you abilities. <laughs> this is why the sword was supposedly losing power. It's an in she's an intelligent weapon. She can decide who she uses her abilities for. That is quite correct. I, I see. Um, when I was sold to the family Ghazali four years ago, I took a liking to young Ayef. He's headstrong and has a desire to be more than a spoiled son of a noble family. He reminded me a great deal of Anaria. Ayef smiles again sheathing the sword, but kind of still holding her up in the sheath so that she's kind of presented. I was forged in the fires of the Bastion of the Last Man, forged by the High Priest himself of the Greatest Temple to Aridin in the Inner Sea. I was crafted with a single purpose in mind, a purpose that I have not been able to fulfill for the better part of 600 years. To protect the weak. To fight with honor. I have a great amount of respect for paladins. I was squired to Lord Kastner for a while, but... They're a little bit uptight, for my taste. The Kastners are a fine family. I have nothing but respect for them in their silence. Although I imagine a great deal has possibly changed in the last few hundred years, I'm glad to hear that their noble lineage continues. So what are you doing here? The Darhans don't travel this far south. Well, not unless they're waging a war. I was asked by a mutual friend to come help Romario here. He's... Yes, uh, I, I greatly regretted uh, my, my actions of, uh, shall we say... Selling me? Uh, yes. He's <laughs> come to purchase you back, you see. I see. Well, let us simply say that I don't find the idea of being bought and sold appealing. You, uh, 
while I may not uh, meet your um, exceptionally high standards, uh, of which you should have, uh, being such a, a fine um, a blade uh, such as you are, my quest is a noble quest. Uh, I am attempting to redeem the name of Onaria. Uh, you may or may not know that she was stripped of her title. I'm well aware. I fought by her side through the entirety of the even-tongued rebellion. I fought against those rebels. She was a righteous warrior. She fought for Taldor, for her people, to protect the weak and the innocent. She showed mercy when it was necessary. I am a benevolent weapon, and I am only used to strike down those too gone to receive mercy. She was a great friend, and I stayed by her side until she died in obscurity. Not on the battlefield, not protecting her men, but stripped of her titles for the bare fault of questioning an order. What was done to her is a grave injustice, I agree. And yes, is attempting to, as he said, write it and reclaim the family's noble titles. And he believes presenting you to those in authority will help lend some clout to his claims. Go ahead. And make me a diplomacy check. <laughs> you have shown yourself to be possessing a personal heroism, which will grant you a plus four. Uh-huh. You have shown sufficient respect by not referring to her as, like, it or the sword or anything mm -hmm. like that, which will grant you a plus two. You also did rescue the boy, which grants you an additional plus two. So go ahead and so roll that with a plus eight. So it's a d20 plus eight because I don't have a charisma modifier. Or any ranks in diplomacy. I roll an 18 for a 26. <laughs> Isidore kind of gives him like a, come on, be nice to the sword. It, it is my intention to return back to Taldor, to try to restore the honored name of my family, to try to reclaim that which was lost to us. And of course, I understand if, uh, if you do not wish to remain, um, I, if I had known that you were uh, a sentient blade, um, I certainly wouldn't have uh, uh, forced this upon you. I just want you, someone who was there, to be able to tell to the esteemed courts. I, I in fact, have an audience uh, already arranged with the princess herself to make my case. I would like for someone to be able to tell Anarius' story. And it is true that I will benefit from this personally, the restoration of our family name. Um, but at the same time, it would be um, a chance to put right and make certain that people remember the sacrifices of those honored soldiers. There's a long time that you just kind of pause looking over the sword. The, the blade is beautiful, even sheathed. The guard is done in silver and gold. The pommel is a pegasus in flight, giving it this, uh, this beautiful, elegant appearance. Is it a long sword, I guess? Uh, it is a long sword. Technically speaking, the hands of a lawful good person, it's a plus two benevolent long sword. Anaria was an honorable woman. She granted leniency to her enemies. She turned opponents to her cause by treating her adversaries and prisoners with dignity and respect. If I may be so blunt, and I will be just as blunt before princess or grand prince, Taldor lost the Eventung Rebellion, lost the lands of Chiliax, only because insufficient resources prevented Anaria from implementing her masterful tactics. Taldor should know this. Taldor should grapple with her past. Oh, yes, um, I, I would ask that you not insult the princess, but um, <laughs> um, uh, truth to, must be spoken to power, I, su I suppose. Princess Eutropia is an understanding woman. 
I will go with you, with the understanding that I will go my own way when this is done. Ayef, I hate to leave you while we are still performing your training, but I realize now that I may have rushed you, not because I thought you were ready, because I was ready to be somewhere other than a display case. You, my young friend, have more backbone than many generals I have known, and you will be a great warrior. You just need some time. I suppose. Uh, perhaps before you could go, um, you could talk to Mother, and uh, maybe if I could receive proper training. Yes, it is true. I can only do so much from your hand to explain to you how to fight. I will accompany you, noble sirs. I will speak my piece to the princess. That fight was masterfully done, Lord Darhan. You do a credit to your noble name. Thank you, Lady Glory. He bows. Lady Glory. <laughs> Hmm, I could get used to that. Well then, I suppose it is simply a matter to uh, return back and to make our apologies to the matron of the house. AF kind of lets out a deep sigh. Um, it, it's getting a little later in the day. Perhaps we could camp out here. I, I would love to hear some stories. As much as I understand avoiding the wrath of one's mother... We should probably get back. She's very worried, and I feel the longer we stay away, the worse it's going to be once you get back before her. Okay. But I can regale you with some stories on the walk back. All right. And uh, and when we get back, could you uh, could you tell her that I helped? I'll tell her you helped. He did help, says the sword. Well, he did. I wouldn't lie. About this, anyway. The boy nods, retrieves uh, a dagger, pries a piece of the carapace of the uh, the scorpion off. Little memento. You set off from the, uh, again, the sun-scorched ruins of the temple of Serenre. Make your way back to the grand city of Omosh. Again, returning back to the uh, Ghazali estate with uh, Ayef, whose mother greets him overly affectionately. Um, any of her anger at him running away or anything like that, forgotten in the fact that her son... Only slightly bloody, as uh, Romario's does still have a cure light wounds to get him mostly patched back up. The lady of the house asks you to, of course, stay for the evening. Um, offers both you and Romario rooms and uh, a fine banquet dinner in your own honor. And returns uh, soldier's glory back to the uh, the hands of the noble, once noble house Acosti. Herself actually taking a moment to apologize to the sword when she realizes the sword is sentient and can talk, but apparently doesn't bother talking to people that are not lawful good. Because <laughs> those are the only ones that she thinks she can convince to go and help her. That evening, before you return back to bed, before you actually make your way to the uh, the bedroom that's been assigned to you, um, you do spend some time speaking to a Yuff, whose resolve to seek adventure has not diminished in the slightest. Uh -huh. uh, that being said, he's kind of uh, realized that charging off alone might not be his best bet. He does kind of inquire with you if there's anyone that you know or anyone that might be interested in, uh, in aiding him as he wants to see the world beyond. Uh, once he is a man grown um, and is family is willing to allow him to uh, to leave. I mean, Isidore would always tell him, you know, I hunt monsters. I travel around all over Taldor. If you're interested, I wouldn't mind helping you train to be a monster hunter. But while I am part of a knightly order, I'm not like a knight. Uh, well, um, I know some of the customs of, uh, of Taldor, and um, I would be happy to, I guess, squire would be the term if you'd be willing to teach me. Glory is right. You have a good heart. So, I'm the landgrave of Headwater Gap. My keep is called Mistweld. Once you're old enough and your family lets you leave, you can head there. If I'm not currently there, my Seneschal Sebastian knows how to get in contact with me. Just be ready to 
rough it, I suppose. We won't be staying at the keep very often. Hopefully when uh, when Glory's done, if, if she's willing, she'll return back to me and uh, be willing to continue to help me with my own training. And I can learn here, and then perhaps I can learn there, and then maybe uh, travel farther and wider. I've read the stories of adventurers, and uh, I'd be eager to pursue it myself. Well, once you're ready, I'll be happy to see you again. Deal. Deal. The boy smiles, makes his way off. Um, you make your way to uh, to rest up for the evening, having slain another monster, horse-sized scorpion. Not your most uh, prestigious, but definitely not your least. Yeah. And made a new friend in the form of uh, young Ayef of the noble family of Ghazali of Omash, as well as the the fine blade and uh, upstanding uh, warrior that is Soldier's Glory. I like them better than I like her Mario. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know. This guy. And we'll pick it up here next time with the next part of the uh, Honor's Echo uh, continued quest chain. Congratulations, you didn't die. Yay, I didn't die. Nobody died. I did the thing. So far, we've had uh, two occasions where uh, where combat was necessary. I suppose we'll see how that continues going as uh, as we progress further in the story. Um, but this one was uh, one that I kind of picked out because it's like, you're playing a Darhan. There's, uh, there's a giant scorpion. Monsters. Woo. <laughs> Yeah, and we're one step closer, getting closer and closer to uh, getting to see what happens when we put all of you together in one place. Shenanigans, probably. But, Shenanigans. You know. Yeah, and of course, I do want to take an opportunity. Again, uh, we are not doing uh, Patreon shoutouts for this uh, series, since, again, there's only two of us. And But I did want to take a chance to just mention all of our patrons. Um, they are amazing people. They do so much to make this possible. Uh, without you, we would not be able to... Uh, to afford having these uh, these treks outside of uh, Taldor. You know what the travel expense is to go all the way outside of Taldor to go and do some more fighting. And, you know, cart in giant scorpions for battles and all the rest of that stuff. It is thanks to all of your continued it was a big patronage and support. To find this giant scorpion and haul it all the way here. It's true. There was an entire reenactment of the uh, cage scene from Jurassic Park. There, it's Shoot true. Her. There was. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, by the time that you're listening to this, um, we're already... Uh, well into, of course, Tyrant's Grass, which has uh, already passed 100 episodes and is now a weekly show. So if that is something that is interesting, if you've caught up on War for the Crown and you're like, man, I really enjoy this entire story, but I wish it was like, I don't know, 10 times sadder and a lot more desperate, go check out Tyrant's Grass. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun. And until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Good luck, everybody. Mm. I do love Power Attack and Furious Focus. It's always a fun yeah. combination. Obscene combination with the falchion once you can get to improved critical. Yep. Or get a keen weapon, whichever. Yep. It's gonna <laughs> be fun. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. War for the Crown is copyright 2018. War for the Crown and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.